<clears throat> Acts chapter number 27, and um, had several different thoughts on my heart this afternoon, didn't know exactly what the Lord was going to have us preach on. I got up this morning, had a lot to do today, and we had our service this morning in the home going for Brother Sanders this afternoon, and uh, just had to a, had a pray about exactly what the Lord wanted us to preach on, and uh, the Lord led us back here to a message. My wife walked in the office. She says, well, are you ready? I says, no, I haven't even got started yet because the Lord led us to go back to where we were this morning. I don't know why I keep moving that. It's not on. Acts chapter 27, we're going to continue the thought that we started this morning, but on a different perspective, uh, if we could. And I want you, if you would, to look down. We ended in verse number 12. Let's pick up in verse number 13. Now, we know what's happening here. We talked about it at length this morning. Amen? Keywords at length. Uh, this morning, the Apostle Paul is on his way to Rome, uh, and uh, they had a safe harbor to dock in there at Fair Havens, uh, but they've decided to move on to a more comfortable place to weather out the storm. And we're going to pick up there in verse number 13. The Bible says that when the south wind blew softly, supposing that they had obtained their purpose, Loosing thence, they sailed close by Crete. But not long after, there arose against it a tempestuous wind called Euroclidon. When the ship was caught and could not bear up into the wind, we let her drive. Notice, they're on their way to shipwreck is because they let her drive. Keyword, her there, all right? At least in the word of God. I just have to point it out there. We are not gender neutral here. We're sticking right with the word of God. They let her drive. They end up in shipwreck. You read between the lines if you could, all right? I want you to skip down and look uh, to verse number 18. And we being exceedingly tossed with a tempest, the next day they lightened the ship. Remember that, verse 19. <clears throat> and the third day we cast out with our own hands the tackling of the ship. And when neither sun nor stars in many days appeared and no small tempest lay on us, all hope that we should be saved was then taken away. Let's stop there and pray. Father God, thank you again tonight for the privilege to be back with your people in your house and with your word. What a wonderful opportunity we have tonight to open our hearts and receive a message from you, and I'm looking forward to it myself. Uh, Lord, having you speak to me, and Lord, I look forward to being changed by your word tonight. I pray we'd receive your word, we'd respond to it, we'd allow it, Lord, to accomplish what you sent it to do, and I pray that, Lord, we'd leave here, Lord, walking closer to you and, uh, and acting even more like you, for it's in Jesus' name, amen. Now, this morning, we saw the temptations that living an unanchored life come with. Uh, the temptations were very simple. It was what was the most popular thing to do. The majority had decided they wanted to move on from the fair havens where they were anchored. It was a more comfortable thing to do. Uh, the port they were going to there in Phoenix was something a little bit more appealing, and it was definitely more attractive to them to be able to go from where they were to this new place. We saw this morning how there's a great temptation for each and every one of us uh, to get weary being anchored in the same place, and the temptation is to little by little move on to a new harbor through what we like to call compromise. Uh, it's a lot easier to compromise little by little and to pull up little anchors here and little anchors in our life, but little by little, we're slowly moving away from where God would have us to be anchored. Now, simply put, what anchored means tonight is an anchor holds its ground, does it not? 
You have an anchor, you throw it out from your boat. What that anchor does is it holds its ground. It stays in one place. That's what our father would desire of his children in spite of the storms that we're living in. God wants us to hold our ground. God wants us to be anchored. He wants us to be grounded and rooted and settled, all right? By the way, that's the only way you're going to stay put is to be anchored, grounded, rooted, and settled in the Lord. Now, what Satan's going to do is Satan's going to try to frame it like we're missing out. I mentioned this morning, oftentimes we really relate that to our young people thinking, you know what, the devil wants you to think you're going to miss out if you don't go with this group and that crowd and act like the world. But truthfully, folks, let's be honest, that does apply to us as adults. How often does the devil tempt you as an adult and try to get you to realize that, hey, if you just pull up anchor, quit standing your ground, quit holding your ground where you're at, things are a lot more enjoyable, more comfortable, and more convenient over here. It happens to me all the time, all the time. Folks, it would be easy not to stand your ground. It would be a lot easier to just give ground and compromise. I get that. Now, watch this. I will give and I will compromise on my preferences all day long. Okay? I assure you, I will. I'm not going to beat you over the head with my preferences. I told my wife when we first got married, I said, look, I will give of my preferences. Look, I was not an LSU guy before we got married. I really wasn't. But when I got married, you know, we became one flesh. I didn't have a team. She had a team. That's why I'm an LSU guy. People ask me all the time, how can you be from Mississippi and pull for LSU? I go home with her. Case closed. I don't have to go home with you. I don't mind, listen, taking your jabs from time to time and your Facebook posts from time to time. I don't have to live with you. I have to live with her. I didn't mind at all adopting LSU as my team. Why? It's just a preference. No big deal. But I told her, I says, I can't compromise my convictions. I've got to stand the ground of what I believe God's called me to do and who God's called me to be. I've got to stand my ground as a husband. I told her that before we ever got married. Remember that? I said, I've got to stand my ground. You know, I have to look at myself in the mirror now that I'm shaving again. Man, that was the pits. I didn't think about that before I shaved. I have to do that now every day again. And I'd like to be able to look at the guy in the mirror knowing that I haven't compromised and pulled up my anchors to go to a place that's more comfortable and a place that's more suitable. But that's what the devil wants you to do. He makes you think that you're missing out by not going over there. Now, this is why Proverbs 24, the Bible says, Be thou not envious against evil men, neither desire to be with them. You know, the Bible wouldn't tell us several times in Psalms and Proverbs not to be envious of evil men if we were not going to be tempted to be envious of evil men. The temptation's there. How often do you look over at the world and it sure looks like they're having fun, like the flies on the flypaper. My wife did ask me after the service, were they really dancing? I said, no, it was flypaper. Did you get that? It was flypaper, all right? It was a trap. They were going to die. And that fly looked down there and he says, man, those flies are having so much fun. The Bible says, be careful. Don't be envious of wicked men. Neither desire to be with them. Now, do understand this, and I want to give you the message tonight, real simple, real simple message tonight. With an anchor, it does restrict your movement. When you choose to hold your ground and stand your ground, it is going to restrict your movement, and you can't go everywhere that everybody else goes. You can't do what everybody else does, and sometimes it does look like you are missing out. But here's the problem. What Satan doesn't tell you, when you choose to live an unanchored life, let's pull up our anchor and let's just go with the flow. What Satan does not tell you is the cost of living an unanchored life. That's what I preach on tonight, the cost of of an unanchored life. 
Two days ago, we were at the Ark there in Kentucky, a magnificent, magnificent thing. And uh, of course, at different ends of the Ark, they have a concession stand set up. And Brother Monroe, I don't know if where Brother Monroe was at, I don't know if you saw that, they had fudge there. Big old chunks of fudge, all kinds, peanut butter, cookies and cream, chocolate. And they were just huge, I'm talking about almost bricks of fudge. And I looked at that and said, man, that looks, yeah, I think I need that in my life right now. You know, walking up and down a 450-foot-long bowl, you kind of, you know, burn some calories. So I needed some and, uh, in my life. And so I said, just give me a chunk of the cookies and cream. My girl's like that. I said, we'll just share a piece. She put it up on the scale, and all I saw was eight, nine, five. And I'm thinking, wow, that's a heavy piece of fudge. You know, eight ounces, you know, 0.95 of another ounce. That's a, that's a lot of fudge there. That was not the weight. That was the cost. I was flabbergasted. I'm not a fud, much of a fudge guy, to be honest with you. And I wouldn't have paid that if I knew that was the cost. But then I don't want like a cheapskate, like, oh, no, put it back. I don't want that, you know. I'm sure, you know, it's a Christian attraction. I'm sure they're used to that. You know, oh, no, put it back. I just wanted the free samples. I'm sure a lot of good Baptists go through there and stiff them on the free samples. So, man, I got thinking to myself. I walked away from there, three cookies, a piece of fudge, and some bacon peanut brittle. Still got some. If you want to try it, I'll sell you a few pieces. $8.95 a piece. But uh, 30 bucks later, 30 bucks later, I'm thinking some cookies and some peanut brittle and some fudge. I mean, maybe 10, 12 bucks, $30 later. If I'd have known the cost, I wouldn't have gotten it. And that's the way it is living an unanchored life. The devil makes it look really good. That fudge looked really, really good. I mean, bacon brittle. If it's got bacon in it, I've got to try it. And so I got a whole pack of that and three or four cookies. But man, it looked good, but I did not want to pay what it ended up costing me. The devil's going to make the unanchored life. Why don't you just pull up anchor, quit standing, quit holding your ground, just go with the flow, go to a more comfortable harbor, and everything's going to be just grand. And yet it looks good, but he's not telling you what it's going to cost you. I've known too many families too many husbands, too many wives, too many churches who have pulled up stakes and they pulled up their anchors from where God would have them to take safe harbor and now they've gone downstream and it's cost them dearly. Now look down chapter 27, verse 13. Verse 12, they all voted, hey, let's go. Let's pull up from this place and go find somewhere a little more comfortable. Verse 13, watch what's happening. And when the south wind blew softly, supposing they had obtained their purpose... The devil, listen, and they sit out and they're probably thinking, this is a great idea. Look, beautiful skies, the wind is blowing softly, everything's going to be all right. But watch verse 14. But not long after, there arose against it a tempestuous wind called Euroclidon. And when the ship was caught and could not bear up into the wind, we let her drive. Now, what I want to show you tonight is part two of what we were preaching this morning. I want to show you the cost of an unanchored life. And the first cost that they were going to pay is in verse 15. The Bible says they could not bear up into the wind. And the Bible says we let her drive. Now, get a picture of what's happening here. They're sailing along. We know we've seen a, a ship's wheel before. They're sailing along. Everything's going fine. But not long after. By the way, it's not long after always. Give it time. Be sure your sins will find you out. All right, sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. You're not going to live out of the will of God and live an unanchored life and expect things to go well, all right? Not long after, here comes this wind, and the Bible says they could not bear up. 
Can you imagine the type of wind that's blowing that you could not even hold on to the ship's wheel? So the Bible says they let go of the wheel. Notice the end of verse 15. We let her drive. Notice the first thing that it cost them. Notice they lost control. They lost control. Satan's brilliant. I have been a victim of this many times. I'll be be right up front with you tonight. He's a master at encouraging you to take control of your own life. Why are you letting God tell you what to do? You know, why are you letting God boss you around and living by that book? Why are you standing your ground here? Why are you standing where you're standing? Why are you holding your ground? Why are you living like that? Why don't you just take your life into your own hands? And why don't you just live your life the way you want to live your life? Why don't you just pull up your anchor and go with the flow and do what's more comfortable and more convenient? And just about as soon as you take control of your own life, you realize that verse 15 is true, that you could not bear up. You can't bear up. You see, what holds you down is the anchor, which is Christ. He can bear up. But watch this. Against the world on our own, we cannot bear up. Now, folks, how many Christians tonight are going to have to lose their spiritual lives, lose their testimony, lose their families, before we realize we cannot afford to set sail and go with the flow because we cannot bear up? With Christ, what can we do? All things. But outside of Christ, what does it say in John 15, 5? We can do nothing. It means we can't bear up. You think that I'm going to lift up the anchor, I'm going to go with the flow and do what's convenient and what's going to be the majority opinion of the world, and I've got control. You're going to realize real quick that you've lost control. Isn't that what he did with Adam and Eve? Why don't you take charge of your own life? Quit letting God tell you what to do. Hey, hey, if you'll just pull up anchor here, go with the flow, hey, eat this fruit, you'll be just like God. Take command of your own life. Oh, Adam and Eve realized real quick they couldn't bear up. They couldn't bear up. How many, how many times do we think when we're children, man, I can't wait till I'm out of my own, take care of myself, do my own thing, stay up to past midnight if I want to. And then we realize, man, life's expensive. Insurance? I have to have insurance? You mean mom and dad aren't going to pay for my health bills anymore? Groceries are that expensive, $4 for a gallon of milk. That's why they call them the boomerang generation. You had the baby boomer generation, then you had the boomerang generation because they went away and they came back. Why? You realize, man, it's expensive out there. You can't bear up. Now, folks, listen to me tonight. We need to take the example of the Word of God as truth that when we're out on our own and we pull up anchors and quit standing our ground and take the wheel into our own hands, we're not going to be be able to bear up. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. You know what that means? God's going to be right. God's always going to be right. I think about when David sinned. David says, you know, I'm the king. I'm the king. Listen, I'm the supreme authority. I don't have to go to battle. I know that's what I should do. I don't have to go to battle. I'm going to go do my own thing. You know what? There's that good-looking woman over there. I'm going to take her for my own. David realized real quick he couldn't bear up. And the cost was going to be highly, highly expensive. He would lose the child. He would lose his testimony. Oftentimes, not long after we take control, we realize things are out of control. That's why 1 Timothy 1, the Bible says, holding faith and a good conscience, which some, having put away, have made shipwreck. Now, listen close what that says. Holding faith. You know what that is? It's an anchor. Holding faith. Hey, don't let go. Don't pull up anchor. Hey, don't give ground. Don't compromise. Why? Because the Bible says, some having put away. You know what? I'm going to pick up anchor. I don't have to stay here. I don't have to stand here. I'm going to do what's more convenient, what's more comfortable. You're going to find not long you're going to make shipwreck. Why? Because that's what the Word of God says. 
You've got to have an anchor. You've got to have an anchor. You've got to be rooted. You've got to be grounded. You've got to be settled or you don't stand a chance. The other day we were coming down uh, I-59 and we saw that massive tornado went through last year there around Enterprise. Unbelievable. I mean, the, the swatch of trees that are dead through there and just snapped off like a lawnmower. It's, it's just unbelievable how much devastation there is. And on one high hill, as we're, as we're headed south on the right side of 59, there's a lone pine tree standing on this hill. Now, it's bent, it's broken a little, but it's green, and it's alive. I wasn't there when the storm came through, but I can tell you one thing for sure about that pine tree. It's rooted. It's rooted. So how do you know? It's still there. It's got an anchor. It must, look, when all of the other trees fell, that tree is still standing there. Now, it's gnarly, got limbs broke off, you know, and it's got some gashes on it, but it's got green pine branches on it. Why? Because it's alive. What kept it there during the storm? It was rooted. All the other trees, the big oaks that were there that had roots spread out on the surface, they blew over. You can see their root masses there by the highway. Why? They weren't anchored. I assure you, number one tonight, the cost that's coming to an unanchored life is you're going to lose control. I read the, the lyrics this afternoon. I printed them off to the song, Stand Up, Stand Up for Jesus. Verse number four is what interested me. It's really coming out of Jeremiah 17, 5. It says, stand up, stand up for Jesus. Stand in his strength alone. The arm of flesh will fail you. You dare not trust your own. You dare not. Look, don't risk your life. Don't risk your testimony. Don't risk the opportunity that you have to serve God with this one life that he's given you. Don't risk it by trusting yourself. Why? Because Jeremiah 17, 5 says this, Thus saith the Lord, Cursed be the man that trusteth in man and maketh flesh his arm and whose heart departeth from the Lord. Be careful. Be careful. Look, you can't bear up. This stuff can't bear up. How many times have we thought that we could? How many times have we thought that we were strong enough on our own only to prove the word of God right that without him we can do nothing? Number one, what was the cost of an unanchored life? The cost was they lost control. Second thing, look down if you would to about verse 15. I'm sorry, look down to verse 18. The Bible says, And we being exceedingly tossed with a tempest, the next day they lightened the, the ship. Notice what's happening here. This storm is blowing so continuously, like we said, you read on down in verse number 27, 14 days. The Bible says they're in no light tempest. That means heavy, heavy wind. Verse 18 says the next day they lightened the ship. They started throwing things overboard. I want you to think about this. What were the things they were throwing overboard? Well, undoubtedly, these were the wares of the ship or the merchandise of the ship. We read the same thing in the book of Jonah. Remember that? Storm was blowing so bad, and they thought they were going to sink, so they started lightening the load, and they're throwing the wares and the merchandise overboard of the ships. You see, that's the second cost of living in an anchored life. Number two, notice they lost their cargo. They lost their cargo. Now, stick with me on this. Now, what was their cargo? Their cargo was the freight that they were responsible to ferry. Someone had entrusted to them something of value, and hired them to ferry that from point A to point B. And now that they are caught in this storm because they pulled up their anchor, because they decided to move on to something more comfortable and something more convenient, they've pulled up their anchor, and now the storm's blowing so bad, the ship's going to sink, they're throwing their cargo 
overboard. Now, here's what Satan doesn't tell you. He doesn't explain what you're going to have to throw overboard in order to live an unanchored life. He doesn't tell you that. It's kind of in that fine print. You know, I'll tell you one of the things that bugs me. One of the things that really bugs me is that fast-talking man at the end of commercials. You know what I'm talking about? You can't even listen. How does that man talk that fast? If I could talk that fast, we'd be out of here by 11.45 on Sunday mornings. I'm not going to learn to talk that fast, okay? So don't even get your hopes up. Some of you got your hopes up. I could already tell. I can't understand what that guy's saying. You know, at the end of a, a medicine commercial, you know, are you having migraines? Take this pill and they'll go away. At the very end, he says really fast, May's cause, bleed on your brain and all, your leg falls off and all of these things. Man, I didn't understand that was part of it. You know, I would rather live with the migraine than have all of the effects that come with it. But that's the way Satan works. He doesn't tell you what you're going to have to throw overboard in order to live an unanchored life. It looks so good. Let's leave Fair Havens. Let's go on to Phoenix. It's a more comfortable, convenient place that everybody agrees on. Who wouldn't want to go there? But what he didn't tell you is you're going to have to throw some things overboard. I cannot help but think about Achan. God says, Achan, told the whole army, I want you to go in, don't touch anything. Don't bring anything out. Achan gets in there. He's where God told him. Looks over here. He's looking at Phoenix. Man, there's gold, there's silver, that Babylonian garment. He says, man, that looks good. You know, if I got that gold, I could buy my kids more things and they would be happy. If I got that silver, I could get my wife that trip to Hawaii she's always wanted. I get that Babylonian garment, man. I would be styling, looking good. Yeah. And so Achan pulls up his anchor from the truth of what God had told him to do, to set sail, to get what he wanted to have. But in that fine print, there was some cargo going to have to go overboard. He was going to lose some things in order to get where he was going. He's going to have to throw his sons overboard, his daughters, his wife his property, in his own life. Whew. Precious cargo going overboard. Why? Because he wanted to live an unanchored life. I'm tired of these rigid rules. God has these rigid rules. Do this, don't do this, don't go there, and all of that. God's just there to make my life miserable. God doesn't want me to have any fun. God doesn't want me to be, doesn't want me to be styling. God doesn't want me to, my children to have things. You know what? I'm just going to pull up the anchor here because I'm tired of living an anchored life, and I'm going to go do what I want to do but he would throw all of that overboard. How many times, oh, how many times have I seen families thrown overboard because mom and dad got tired of living an anchored life? They said, you know what? We're going to pull up the anchor at Fair Havens. We're going to go do what we want to do. Two, three, maybe four, five years down the road, mom and dad are somewhere offshore screaming. Pastor's phone is ringing. They're throwing out four anchors, but it's too late. They're going to be shipwrecked. Why? Because I didn't realize the cost of an unanchored life is you're going to lose some cargo. Think about David. Here's David. David's living right now, anchored according to what God would have you to do as king. But then he sees Bathsheba over here, and man, he looks and says, I need that in my life. So David pulls up anchor. I'm not going to stay where God wants me to do. I'm going to go get what I want to get. But do you remember what Nathan the prophet told him? You've given the enemies of God great opportunity to blaspheme. Do you know what went overboard? His testimony. 
The devil doesn't tell you oftentimes when, you know what, if you'll just compromise, give a little bit. Hey, we're just going uh, over here from Fair Havens to Phoenix. It's not far. Just compromise just a little bit. He doesn't tell you it's going to cost you your testimony to compromise. And folks, after you've lost your testimony, what more do you have to work with? You lose your family, you listen, you, you lose your testimony, there's not much more precious cargo in the Christian life than your family and your testimony. The devil makes it look so appealing, and we throw it overboard in order to get what we want to live that unanchored life. I couldn't help but think about Noah a lot this week. We were at the ark, and every time I go there, it's just uh, it's breathtaking to stand there at the bow of that ship and look up at it to realize that one man had enough faith to do that. Just amazing. He built what he believed. I would probably have an ark about that big that would float in our bathtub. That's about how big my belief is. Man, Noah built what he believed. Just, I, I tell folks all the time, when you go to the ark, you come back, I says, Noah goes from your top 10 to your top five. Noah's an awesome guy. Now think about old Noah. God says, no, I want you to build that ark. You watch this video. It's amazing when you watch this video in the ark. And there's Noah building this ark. He's got his sons out there helping him. And I think about poor Noah's kids. I, I'm a dad. I have a daughter. I think about how Noah's kids must have felt. All the other kids, I'm sure, picked on them. Your dad's the quack. Your dad's the weirdo. Your dad's the guy building a boat. And it's never rained. He's building a boat on top of a hill. How's that going to work? Man, I'm sure Noah's kids got... Listen, your dad, your dad's just old-fashioned. He's anchored over here. Look, you just need to pull up anchor. Come over here what's more commodious, more hospitable, more comfortable. And old Noah just stayed anchored. He stood his ground. He held his ground. And what does Hebrew chapter 11 say? He built an ark to the saving of his house. Noah says, nope. There's precious cargo on board this ship. I'm not pulling anchor. He says, you guys can have what you want. You guys can have the comfortable, convenient life that everybody agrees about. Nobody gets offended by. But I'm going to stay here. Why? Because there's precious cargo on my ship. And as soon as I pull up anchor, just like in David and Aiken's case, it's going to cost my family their life. Folks, understand, number two, the cost of an unanchored life is you're going to lose your cargo. And some of that cargo is precious. Number three, look down to verse 19. <clears throat> and the third day we cast out with our own hands the tackling of the ship. I mean, this is like wholesale slaughter on a boat. I mean, the first thing, they get up there, they've lost control. They're throwing the wares overboard, their cargo. Now they're taking the tackling of the ship off. You know, the pulleys and the ropes and anything that had weight to it, and they're taking it off the ship, and they're throwing it overboard. Now, I'm not a maritime guy, okay? I, I, I've never sailed a vessel other than a, a pontoon boat, and I don't think that's the same thing that is here. But I think you need those things. You need the rope, you need the pulleys, you need the tackle, or else they would not be on there. And the Bible says, with their own hands, they threw over the tackling of the ship. You know what they're doing? They are rendering the ship incapable. Number three, the cost of living an unanchored life is they lost their capability. Now they have gone from sailing to surviving. You know, when you start throwing off Necessary parts of the ship. I saw a bumper sticker the other day. It says, honk if parts fall off. Some of you folks had a car like that before, haven't you? 
I saw a minivan up there near the ark. Look, the ark parking lot, it's a minivan, minivan car lot all out there. It's just good Baptist folks, I'm sure, all out there driving their minivans. It was held together with zip ties. I'm not kidding. The bumper was just stitched up so beautifully with zip ties that are there. Why? They're trying to hold on the pieces you need, you know? You ever got behind somebody and their bumper's flapping in the wind? Look, we're in Mississippi. I see that all the time around here, you know? Get some duct tape on there, some zip ties. You can afford to live without a bumper, but you can't afford to sail without the tackling of the ship. You've got to have those things. And now, because they decided to pull up anchor to go to what's more convenient and more comfortable, now they find themselves in a storm and they're having to throw over the tackling of the ship. What does it cost them? They've lost their capability now. They can't even sail anymore. Something the devil does not tell you. It's kind of like Gilligan's three-hour tour. You ever watch Gilligan's Island? It comes on Sunday afternoon. They get to watch it today. Maybe we'll catch it tonight when we get home. It seems like such a good idea, didn't it? Just a three-hour tour. Let's go out and let's see the water. Let's see, you know, all the sights that are out there. And it turned out, well, how many seasons did Gilligan's Island go? <laughs> turned out to be longer than a three-hour tour, didn't it? Why? Because, you know, there's some fine print there. You don't know what's weighing out there for you, and yet we see here, now they've lost their capability. Oftentimes we see in Scripture people like Samson. God made it very clear that he had taken the Nazarite vow, okay? Here's where you're anchored. Because of who you are and who I say you are, your movement is limited. You can't go certain places. You can't do certain things. Can we go ahead and accept that as a Christian? There's going to be things we cannot and should not do, all right? I thought we had a few more amens on that one, all right? So here's Samson over here. Samson knows there's places he can't go, things he can't do because of who he is, just as because of who we are, there are things we cannot do. But Samson decided, you know what? I'm tired of these rigid rules. I'm tired of having to live this confined life in fair havens. I want to go and do what I want to do. I want that girl who's from a place I should not go. I want to touch that thing that I'm not supposed to touch. I want to drink that which I'm not supposed to drink. I'm tired of doing that. So he pulled up his anchor. He goes. He does what he wants. His hair gets cut. We know the story. And he rolls up. Samson's getting ready to flex. I'm fixing to take these guys out again. I mean, Samson has so much fun picking on those guys. I mean, you remember we caught all the foxes? I mean, I'd love to see a video of that. When we get to heaven, I want to see a video of that. Catching all those foxes, setting their field on. I mean, he stole the gates of the city and took them up on the hill. I'm talking about, what a shame. <laughs> I'm talking about, he shamed somebody. He says, I'm just going to do it again. The Bible says he wished not. The Lord was departed from him. What happened? Samson decided, I'm going to pull up my anchor. I don't like living in this rigid confines of being anchored and holding my ground here. I'm going to go do what I want to. But know what it cost him? It cost him his capability. It cost him his power. Why? Because the power was never of Samson. It was always of God. I want you to think about an anchor in the chain. I had one at the house. Why didn't I bring that? I have one at my house. Why? Ask me after the service. I have an anchor, and it's on a chain. I want you to think about that chain that connects the anchor as a power source, all right? As soon as you turn loose of the anchor, which is Christ, you're now sailing without power. You're losing your capability. When Achan sinned and went and got the gold, the silver, the Babylonian garment, and Israel went to fight Ai, what happened? They lost miserably. Why? Because they were cut off from their power source. That's what sin will do for you every time. Number three, they lost their capability. Galatians chapter 5 tells us to walk in the Spirit. 
will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. You go on to read in Galatians chapter 5, the Bible says when we're walking in the spirit, we won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. It says you can't do the things that you would. That means when you're here, you're restricted from going and doing things there when you're walking in the spirit. But when you're walking in the flesh, you can't do the things you would in the spirit. What's happening? It's cost you your capability. That's number three. Believe it or not, I have a number four. Look, two number fours. The Lord must be coming back, right? All right. He is coming back, by the way. I say some of you are wondering. All right, look down to verse number 20. We're going to be done. And when neither sun nor stars in many days appeared and no small tempest lay on us, watch this, all hope that we should be saved was then taken away. Can I tell you what's happening in verse number 20? They've lost their hope. Number four, the cost of living an unanchored life is you lose your confidence. They lost their confidence. The Bible says that all hope that we should be saved was taken away. Now, can I tell you something? When they pulled up their anchor and said, you know what? Let's get out of this rigid spot. Let's go to a more fun, comfortable spot. I am sure they left with confidence. What did the Bible say in verse 13? And when the south wind blew softly, supposing they had obtained their purpose. Oh, nice breeze. Everything's going well. The sun is shining. It's just beautiful weather. They left with confidence, but notice that confidence didn't last long, did it? Because see, just like your power, your confidence comes from what your anchor is. If you're anchored in Christ, your confidence comes from Christ. But when you pull up your anchor... Now, the only confidence you're carrying is what you can supply yourself. Many years ago, we were on a missions trip. It seems like catastrophe happens on mission trips oftentimes, okay? But it's just a growing opportunity is what we like to call them. We noticed that all of the lights on the dashboard started to dim. The, the radio lights, the air conditioning lights started to dim. It was getting dark. And all of the lights started going from bright to kind of brown, and I was like, did anybody notice that? I thought I was dying. I thought, you know, it's going black. Here we go. I just feel it. But what I realized was it was happening to everybody because our alternator had went out. Okay? Everybody know what an alternator is? All right? An alternator, it's the thing in your car. It goes round and round and round, and it charges your battery. Okay? The battery gives power, gets your car started, get it cranked, and that alternator keeps that battery charging. But when the alternator went out, there was nothing left to recharge the battery. And now we had about, what, 10, 15, 20 minutes until all the power was gone. Why? Because the battery could not recharge itself. The battery relied on the alternator to keep it charged up. And without the alternator, we were dead in the water. Thank God we coasted into the missionary's house there, or not, not into his house, but into his driveway there in Montana. Barely made it. The Lord really brought us through, brought us through that. Watch this. Being anchored in Christ, Christ is our alternator, all right? He's what keeps the battery charged. When you pull up from Christ, you're leaving behind the only thing that can recharge the battery, and the only power you're going to have left is the power you can create yourself, which is zero, all right? You're going to lose your power, and you're going to lose your confidence because that confidence only comes through Christ. Without him, we can do nothing. I can do all things through Christ. As long as that anchor is connected to Christ, not only does power come through that chain, but confidence does too. Look at people in the Bible who had confidence. David ran to meet Goliath. Job had confidence in the midst of his trial. Why? Because they were anchored. What did Job's wife say? Why don't you just curse God and die? Do you know what she was telling him to do? I never thought about it until this afternoon. Job, 
pull up the anchor. Let's get out of here. You've been serving God, living this strict, rigid life, worshiping God. I mean, keeping your life clean that God built a hedge around. You've been doing all of that, and look what happened to you. Why don't you just curse God and die? Pull up anchor, Job, and let's go. And Job, oh my goodness, talking about preaching to your spouse. He says, you speak as one of the silly women. Job knew that as soon as he pulled up anchor, Job was on his own. Can you imagine how long Job would have lasted on his own during that trial without Christ? Wouldn't have made it very far. Job just stayed anchored. And what does the Bible say in Job 42? The latter end was better than the beginning. God kept blessing and blessing and blessing. And Job remained confident in the Lord. I'll give you this and I'm done. You look down. Verse 29, I want to show you something. The Bible says, Then fearing lest we should have fallen upon upon rocks, They cast four anchors out of the stern and wished for the day. I told my wife this this afternoon. It's amazing. You look up to verse 20. They lost their hope. Now notice what the only resort that they have left in verse 29 is to wish. You see, when you lose your hope, all you can do is wish. That's it. How many, how many Christians do I know? They're shipwrecked. And all they can do is wish. Because they have no hope anymore because they've pulled up anchor. And you leave behind your hope. The best thing, you know, my daughter wishes all the time. We went to this restaurant called the Maple Street Biscuit Company. Oh, my soul. It's in Chattanooga. Couple marriage retreat. We're going to, to Maple Street Biscuit Company. I had, a, I had a sandwich. I was telling Miss Angel about it this afternoon. It's called the squawking goat. Why? I don't know. As far as I know, that wasn't goat meat. I think it's chicken. It's a biscuit, and in the middle of that biscuit, there is fried chicken. There's fried goat cheese. And on top of it is pepper jelly. It was, it was magnificent. It really was. Go through the line, and she says, okay... I need a name, but in, they didn't do names to, for your order. They says, I want to give you a wish. So they asked Miley, Miley, if we give you one wish, what would it be? Miley said she wanted a private jet. She could go wherever she wanted. I thought she should have wished for a lifetime supply of fuel because a jet is no good if we don't have the fuel or the pilot to fly it. And so when they called out your order, they called out your order according to your wish. It was so funny watching some of these guys. You know, some of these guys, the guy walking around there, he's four feet tall. You know, they called, order up for two feet. You know, he just wished he was a couple feet taller. And order up for vacation to Hawaii, order up for all of this. And it was neat listening to everybody's wishes. And finally they says, airplane. And so we stood up and I went and got my squawking goat and I ate every bit of it. It was good. Now I pray for forgiveness after I ate it because that was probably a sin for sure. But it was neat listening to their wishes. But you know what? A wish is nothing compared to hope. A wish is nothing compared to hope. I would dare say nobody that walked out of that restaurant walked out of there having their wishes met. I know we didn't. And that four-foot guy, he didn't have his either. But oh, the confidence we can have when our hope is in Christ. I'll guarantee you nobody walked out of there thinking, man, I'm just hoping today Hawaii. I'm just hoping today I get that airplane. No, nobody walked out of there with any confidence. Why? You don't put confidence in a wish. There's nothing to be confident about. It's just a wish.
I wish for my hair to come back. I'm not very confident that it is. But oh, hope. That hope that we have as an anchor for our soul. That's real. That's going to get you through. That's going to help you hold up when the wind is beating and battering you. That's going to help you hold up. But you've got to have the right anchor. That anchor for the soul. The Bible says which is sure and which is steadfast. We sing the song, The Solid Rock. The chorus says, on Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. You know what that's saying? There is a cost to living an unanchored life. I'd beg, if it took it, I'd beg you tonight on my hands and knees. Don't prove it the hard way. Stay anchored. Hold your ground. Stand your ground. I know the devil makes it look good, and Phoenix looks good. I know Phoenix looks more comfortable. It's more uh, acceptable. and Everything's good there. But I assure you, it comes with a high, high cost. You're going to lose control. You're going to lose your cargo. Look at our kids tonight. That's your cargo. I'll promise you, Phoenix, Phoenix ain't got nothing that's worth throwing her overboard for. Nothing. I told my wife at a red light one day, I said, I'd quit it all if it cost me my family. I'd go back to building houses because I've got precious cargo that I have been given responsibility to get from point A to point B. I've been tasked with that. And I'm not going to throw her overboard just so I can be more accepted by the world and live a more comfortable life so that people might like who I am. Not going to happen. It's going to cost you your cargo. It's going to cost you your capability. Go ahead and disconnect from your anchor. You know what? I'm going to pull up anchor to go do this. Go ahead. You just disconnected from your power, Samson. You just disconnected from your power, Israel. And then finally, it's going to cost you your confidence. It'd be a scary world to live in last year and this year without an anchor for the soul, which is Christ. But I have confidence. You know why? It's not in me, I assure you. It's in where my anchor's at. I just want to encourage you tonight, folks. There's a cost at living, in living an unanchored life. And I assure you, it's not worth it. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Go stop there. Heads are bowed.